Good evening. One more time. Good evening. There we go. That's great. Hope you all have had a great day today. Uh, let's stand and welcome each other, please, to the service tonight. We're going to begin tonight's service by singing hymn number 206, Blessed Be the Name.
231. Come Christians, join and sing. Hymn 231. Come Christians, join to sing. <clears throat> Father, we come to you this evening thanking you and praising you, Father, for your love, your grace, and your mercy to all of us. We thank you, Father, for giving us a beautiful day to enjoy. We thank you, Father, for the people that have come tonight to hear your word preached. And I pray, Father, that we each will gain something tonight that we can use during the week to be better servants for you. Father, we love you and thank you for all your blessings to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing, please. Praise him, praise him. Jesus, our blessed Redeemer. 227.
going to sing hymn number 205, the chorus to Jesus is the sweetest name I know, 205. I'm grateful for Brother Dave and Brother Lehman for leading us tonight. Thank you guys for leading us in music. Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4 is our text for this evening. I remember many, many, many years ago, right after I was called to preach, I was sitting in a room. Uh, we were off studying at school, and I was uh, on a week-long uh, class with uh, a good friend of mine who was in seminary with me, Matt Green, and we were we were uh, getting ready for our our class. I forget which class it was, but I remember one night we were studying the text, and he was going to preach on James chapter four, verse seven through ten. And he had the four R's of revival, and I remember his four R's, and I, I've, that's always stuck with me. And, and uh, I started to preach the four R's of revival tonight. I, I've told him, I said, buddy, you can fire that out of your gun. I can fire that bullet out of mine, too. <laughs> when he said it, we were talking about it that night, and we kind of developed that sermon. And he did more developing than I did. But through the years, I've, it's one of those things I've come back to. The, the four R's of revival out of James chapter 4, verse 7, and, and they don't actually lay out R's, but if you, if you work with the words, you can get there. So that's, that's the, the root that this, this text takes in my heart when I think of this text. But uh, tonight I want to I wanna bridge to a different direction and, and look in this text. There is some great victory that comes from understanding this text. For every person who knows Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior... When they read this text, they recognize uh, we're not held in slavery by Satan any longer. We have a way that we can break forth and break free. We can truly have, as the title of the sermon is, Victory in Jesus. And uh, I would say there had to be a subtitle and another subtitle to this text, Victory in Jesus. And my subtitle, my first one, will be Humility. Uh, when that's how we get victory in Jesus is through humility. And the third subtitle, second subtitle I would have, third title I'd have in this text, and that would be put the devil on the run. And I think I like that one the best. Uh, victory in Jesus comes when we put the devil on the run. Amen? So tonight we're going to look at what it takes to put the devil on the run. So James chapter 4 is, uh, it will be our text, verse 7 will be in, where we'll begin. And, and I want you to understand one more thing before we read this. Jesus 
is the prince of peace, and Satan is the prince of pride. Jesus is the prince of peace, and Satan is the prince of pride. So it's, it's something that we have to learn to control and get under control in our life. And, uh, and, and in order to have victory in Jesus, we've got to overcome pride and put the devil on the run. If you will stand with me, let's read James chapter 4, beginning in verse 7. The Scripture says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Father, we come before you tonight with open hearts, God, praying and asking that you would touch us in a very special way with the truth of your word. God, I pray that it would equip us for that which we will face uh, today, tomorrow, and into the future. God, help us to recognize there, there is power in you. And we, because we have a relationship with you, we've got power, Lord, to put the devil on the run. So help us to grasp that tonight in this text. Moving our hearts in any way you see fit, Lord, to help us be the people that you've called us to be. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. So there, there are signs of humility. And, and humility is something that we have to work on because... Uh, is that a lot of us just don't have a lot of humility uh, in, in our lives. It's easier to have pride in your life than it is to have humility in your life. And uh, I think in just our cultural setting lends to that. But we see that James said in verse 6 of this same chapter, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he said, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So it's important for us to understand that God... God gives grace to humble people, to people of humility, uh, and, and, and we need to understand what the therefore is there for because it says submit therefore. So that's why the therefore is there because it's bridging this text from being a person of, of pride and a call to be humble, and he says submit therefore. Well, I'd like for you to understand what that word submit means. Submit is a military term, and it means to arrange oneself underneath, to yield to, surrender, and cease to resist. And that, that gives an essence for me, I hope that helps you. To, so it's a military term, meaning I've got to arrange myself underneath, I've got to yield to, I've got to surrender, and I've got to cease to resist. There are many people in this world who are resisting the call of God in their life to be all that God's, God's wanting them and desiring them for, for them to be because they will not submit. They will not surrender their life to Jesus. They will not arrange themselves under the Lordship of Christ. This morning in many of our Sunday school classes, uh, our time together, uh, we studied the, a text that gives us a, a great understanding that, that God is, is above all, and, and man comes under God. 
And the woman is, is given the privilege to align herself under her husband. And, and it's not that we belittle one or any, but that there's a proper order. And God sets forth, he says, there's a protective head here. I am the head. And if you come under me, if the man arranges himself under me, then I'm going to cover the man. And, and if the woman comes alongside of her husband and, and submits and surrenders his, lordship, his leadership in their life and the lordship of Christ is in his life, then there's a, a blessing that can flow through this. But when we resist and refuse to surrender, submit, and align ourselves under appropriate authority, that's when we have problems. And I just opened up a can of worms and we could sit here the rest of the night because that's about the way some of our, I understand some of our Sunday school classes went this morning. I was in one of them. It was like, boom. <laughs> and we kind of just dropped the bomb and talked about it. But, but reality is that we as, as men and women... Under the Lordship of Christ, we submit, we surrender, we align ourselves under Him. And, and it's a great place to be. I think of, of uh, submission, when I think of that, I think of Psalm 57, verse 1. Listen to this text. It says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings, I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed. Now, there's a lot that's said in that by the psalmist. He's saying there, the very first part of that conversation to God is he's begging God for mercy. He knows where mercy comes from. I know where mercy comes from. Mercy comes from the Lord, and we need mercy. And, and the psalmist recognizes that that's where mercy comes from. He says, my soul trusts in you. Now, th that's a statement that's, that we can just say with our voice, but, but to believe in our heart that my soul trusts in you. The reason we can align ourselves under, the reason we can surrender to, the reason we can submit to God is that, our soul trusts in Him. If our soul doesn't trust in Him, we won't come under alignment with Him. We won't, we won't align ourselves, arrange ourselves under His Lordship if we don't trust in Him. But God is trustworthy throughout all the years. If we just follow Scripture from beginning to end, and even in my own personal life, I have found that when I'm submitted, surrendered, and aligned under God, that He is trustworthy with my life. He's, he's never carried me out and, and, and caused me to fall. He, he doesn't look to destroy me. He looks to build me up. And when I humble myself under His authority, arrange myself under Him, as this psalmist says, he says, My soul trusts in you in the shadow of your wing. I will make my, make my refuge. So he said, I've found a safe spot, and the safe spot I've found is under the wing of God. I love that imagery. I think it was a couple of Wednesday nights ago I was talking about this. I was, I was in, a, in a foreign country, and, and, and we had, I got to tell the whole story. I was going to shortchange the story here for a minute. Some of you heard it, some of you hadn't. But uh, there, there, were, there were a lot of people, and it was hard to break in and kind of have a conversation there were a lot of chickens running around. And uh, so I, I had to catch some attention. I, you, you look for opportunities when you're in a foreign country to grasp some attention so that you can share the gospel. Well, there was, there was a chicken over there, and I asked somebody to catch that chicken. So they caught that chicken for me. And I, I said, I bet you I can hypnotize this chicken. Well, they didn't believe it. Well, I laid that chicken on the ground. I hypnotized that chicken. That chicken just laid there and laid there. 
and laid there. And, and I had their attention, and I could share the gospel. Well, there was another. We went on, and the, the, from then on, everybody wanted me to grab a chicken and, and wanted me to hypnotize the chicken because they, they thought that was a big deal. So uh, this, the translator was like, there's another one. There's, a, there's, another, there's another one right there. And so he went over there to get that chicken, and when he did, out from under that chicken burst all these little babies as that chicken ran off. And I, it was an imagery now. You had to hear the whole story to understand. And later we'll have a demonstration of how to hypnotize a chicken. But in, in reality, what, what the point of the, mo- the moral of the story is that, that those chicks, they, you couldn't even tell they were there. They were completely encased under the wings of their mother. And those little baby chicks, I, I, the ground just started moving when they went to get that chicken. But they were secure. And they were there. And there's a place of security for each of us. There is a place where you and I can find peace, where we can find protection, where we can be all that God's called us to be in the security of His arms, but we have to come under, submit, arrange ourselves under His authority. And when we do, when we come under His authority, instead of having our our say in everything and, and us standing our ground, but we come under His Lordship, then we submit, we surrender We come under Him and we experience God as the authority in our life. We experience the relationship as His servant and He is our King. And and submission begins to work. And it's, it's not about my will. It's not about your will. It's not about getting my way or you getting your way. It's about submitting, therefore, to God. It's coming under His lordship, His will, not my will, God, but Thy will be done. Jesus said that to His Father. Not not my will, Father. If I must drink this cup, but not my will, Father, but Thy will be done. God uh, in the flesh, in Christ Jesus, was more concerned about the will of God than He was His own personal comfort. And we need to be there as well. I'm going to tell you what you can't do is you can't submit and war and fight at the same time. See, we, the first part of that text says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war? And you remember, so there's a war being waged here. And when we allow the flesh to rule and to be our guiding principle, then we're, we're not submitted to God. We're not surrendered to God. We're not allowing His Lordship to take place in our life. We're, we're seeking our own will, our own pleasures. And the, the, there's a war at, at, at stake here, and you can't submit and be at war. It just it's, you don't surrender and fight. You either surrender or you fight. And and in, in our world today, submission is not it's not that cool of a term. It's not it's not looked at as being that awesome of a position. But the scripture tells us, and, and James tells us here, he says. Submit, therefore, to God. That, that's, that's the first step for us to see some humility coming into our life when I submit my life to God. When I, when I get up in the morning and I say, God, today is your day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, this is your day, and, and I am your servant. Lord, I come, and I, I come... Before you this morning, you're king of the universe, and I align myself under your authority. I, I want to be 
a valuable servant today. So God, you take my life and you lead me. You position me. You, you point me in the direction you want me to go. I'm going to go about my day. And as I go, I want to do what you want me to do. So Lord, keep me sensitive. Keep me seeking. Keep me understanding what you want me to do so that I can be a, an ambassador for you today. And, and that's submitting. That's surrendering. To get up and say, Lord, I need you to do these things today. Here's a list. <laughs> and I, we're capable of doing that now. Don't look at me like you've never done that. I, I, I think we've all been there. Lord, I need you to help me out with this, 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 this. i got a busy day today, God. You don't think the Creator, King of Heaven, knows that your day can get busy and mine can too? What he's looking for is a surrendered heart to say, Lord, it's your day. It's not my day. It's your will, not my will. Guide me, Lord. Help me to, help me to find a little peace in this day because you're the Prince of Peace. And, and, Lord, don't let me become overwhelmed by pride because uh, I know who the Prince of Pride is. And I want to be submitted under the Prince of Peace. The Scripture goes on to say, so after submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. So there's a, there, here's the scriptural command to me and to you where James is telling us that we need to submit to God and resist the devil. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 27 says this, And do not give the devil an opportunity. Do not give the devil an opportunity. I want you to hold on to that thought. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Chapter 6, verse 11, talking about the armor of God. It says, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. There's a couple of operative words there that we need to recognize. One, stand firm. I'm thinking about Psalm chapter 1 when I say that. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In it he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, producing its fruit in its season. See, the reality is when we position ourselves firmly in Christ Jesus, we've got a firm foundation because he is the chief cornerstone. He is the bedrock of our foundation. But we need to plant ourselves firmly in him. So we position ourselves there. It says standing firm. We, we we, we position ourselves firmly, put on the full armor of God so you'll be able to stand firm against, and the operative word is next, schemes. The devil is a schemer. He brings about his schemes. He, he never comes to you and says, now listen, let me, just, let me just clue you in, child. If you drink this drink, you're liable to be wrecked in about ten years from now, or two years from now, or even six months from now. If you take this pill, it's going to wreck your life. If you have that affair, it's going to wreck your marriage. If you steal that money, it's going to wreck your life. He never tells you that. He makes it look so good. He makes it feel so good that we wind up following through with something that in our thinking mind we never would do, but it's a scheme. It's a trap. He schemes on us. And he pulls us in. First Peter tells us in chapter 5, verse 6 through 9 says, Therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be of sober spirit. 
Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So let me ask you a question, church. How much power, how much power does the devil have? As much as you'll allow him to have. The devil has no more power than you allow him to have in your life. Because Scripture says, submit therefore to God. Arrange yourself under the authority of God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We need to learn what it looks like more. I need to learn, we all need to learn what it looks more like in our life to resist the devil. Build a boundary. Stand on some solid ground. Put on some armor to fight off the schemes of the devil. He, he is, we're able to overcome the devil. We, we don't have to live under the authority of the devil. We can live under the authority of Christ and we can resist the devil and he will actually flee from us. Now, we either submit to God or we submit to the devil. And every day, in every situation, with every decision you and I make, we determine whether we're going to submit to God or we're going to submit to the devil. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. I, I was sitting there a moment ago, and as I was thinking through this, I, I remembered a, a verse of Scripture. You say, well, well Scott, I, I just, I don't, I mean, I just get overcome. I, I get overwhelmed. I, you know, the devil made me do it kind of deal. Uh, it just happens. I, I, I never meant to, and it just, I got tempted, and, and the next thing I knew, I was overwhelmed. Let me just, let me just, Please hear me. Catch on to this because that, that's not going to work. In the eternal realms of God, that's not going to work. In God's economy, that kind, of, that kind of position in your life, the devil made me do it, doesn't work. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. It says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. So we can, we can recognize right there, I'm not being tempted in any different way than other people around me have been tempted. It's common for us all to be tempted in similar ways and even the same ways. And I've noticed in, in times of discipleship in the past, when, when I've discipled a group of men, one of the things I love about discipleship is that, especially when it's in small group discipleship where it's uh, about four people gathered together, you, you spend enough time together walking through the Word of God and doing life together. You spend the time uh, accountable, being accountable to one another. You invite one another to be accountable to your life. You begin to converse about things you're struggling with. You become an open book in discipleship. You just really do. If you, if you really get into discipleship and you really sub surrender to that, that in your life, you bring yourself where you'll converse about things. You probably wouldn't tell anybody else, but those guys or those gals that you're hanging out with, you just get in a place where you can share with them. And, and one thing that I've noticed is we, we, we've sat around that table with, with multiple groups in the, in the past years of me discipling folks, and I've found that everybody seems to be tempted by the same thing. It's not like you think you're on an island by yourself. Nobody else is dealing with this. Nobody's struggling at this point. And you find out when you get to talking to people and people get real, oh, my gosh, we're all dealing with the same thing. Satan doesn't have 
new modes of destruction. He's still firing the same bullets he fired when he was in the desert with Jesus. If you want to know how Satan attacks, just see what he did with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords when he was in the wilderness. Read about that and study. Satan's still doing the same thing. He's still destroying us in the same way. So you recognize that no temptation, as Scripture says, no temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. That's the next statement. Got to love that one. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. What a relief, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not going to be tempted. You're not going to be tempted. None of us are going to be tempted beyond what we can handle. God's not going to allow us. He, he is on the throne in heaven. He will not tempt you. He will test you. Satan will tempt you. God's not testing you so that he can learn more about you. God's testing you so you can learn more about you. When, when I was sitting under the, the professors in college, they didn't test me so they could learn what I knew. They tested me so I would know what I needed to learn. Uh, and ultimately, that's what it's, I knew by the grade that I received what I had done well in my studies and what I had not done well in in my studies. So here, God, God tests us. Satan tempts us. And he's going to tempt us. He always has. He always will. But he's not going to tempt us beyond what we can handle. Because God, who's sitting on his throne, will not allow Satan to tempt you beyond what you can handle. I think it's awesome that as rough as Job had it, God, God was still in control there, okay? Satan was not on a free reign. God said, you can go to this level. You can only go to here. You can't cross that line. And you say, well, God, why would you allow him to even test him? I mean, why why'd you, tempt, why'd you allow him to be tempted? Why didn't, why didn't Job just have a perfect, happy, hunky-dory life? Job grew through that. Job grew in his understanding of God's faithfulness. Job, Job grew to know God better. Job dealt with some real things with three guys that were boneheads. He really did. But he recognized in the process who God was, and they did too. And what did God do in the end? He gave it all back to Job. Job was blessed in the end. He, he struggled, don't get me wrong. But no temptation has, has come upon you, but what is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. So in other words, you can endure it. You can get through this when we submit, therefore, to God. We humble ourselves and submit, therefore, to God. No matter what the temptation is, we can get through it. But we have to submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee. Scripture, scripture is very clear there. So how much power does the devil have? As much as you'll allow him to have. What is the devil's purpose? Steal, kill, and destroy. He's been, He's been tempting in the same ways the whole time. And he, he's still on the same mission. And it's simple. Steal, kill, and destroy. That, that's his goal. He, Satan, though he can bring some stuff that looks so good and is so enticing, he's still there to steal, kill, and destroy. We, we need to recognize that. We, we don't like talking about Satan. None of us do. But he's real. I'm telling you, when one football team plays another football team, they talk about how they're going to defend them. 
They talk about how they're going to position themselves in offense and defense to be victorious. And if we understand how Satan's going to come at us and we talk about that, and we understand, we, we expose his plan of attack, then it positions us to where we can be successful and win the game. But if we don't ever talk about it, we don't ever think about it, we, we bury our head in the sand and act like it's not going to happen, we're going to be overtaken. Because we're not going to submit ourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil. That's, that's, there is a, there's a, a position of resisting. You've got to stand. You, you don't, you, you don't, we're, we're humbled, but we're not coward, okay? We're, we're not cowering down. We're, we're humbled to God, submitting to Him, and we find strength in Him to stand and resist the devil. So that's what this text is about. So what do we do? How do we resist the devil? We say, well, Scott, all that sounds good, but I don't understand how I practically put that at work in my life tomorrow morning. How can I resist the devil? Much of it is what I talked about over the last years and even this morning. It's, a, it's not a style, it's a lifestyle. and It's a lifestyle of how you live your life. We position ourselves for success when we look at the areas of our life that can draw us closer to God and get rid of the areas of our life that separate us from God. How, how can I be drawn into God? Well, I, I can position myself... Uh, in, in many ways. One, I need to read the Scriptures. I know that when I read the Scriptures, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. I, I recognize that. I know that I've hidden Thy Word in my heart that I might not sin against You. So I, I know there's some strength in Scriptures. I know that as the, the Word of God is sharpened in a two-edged sword, it, it divides joint from marrow, soul from flesh. I know that it's going gonna, it's gonna to refine me. I know that it's going to groom me. I know that it's going to present me with the power that I need and the knowledge of His strength to be ready for the fight. So I, I've got to be in the Scriptures. Let me ask you, daily are you in the Scriptures? Because if you're not in the Scriptures daily, all, all of a sudden the armor is, it has a hole in it. Okay? You, you're wounded already. Or, the next would be to converse with God. Ha, have a real conversation about the Scriptures you're reading and talk to God about what He's talking to you about. And, and let's pray Scripture to God. It's His Word. Let's say, Lord, Your Word says this. It tells me that that uh, that that you've got a, a plan for my life, a plan to prosper me. You you love me. Your scriptures say that you love me so much you died for me, and, and you you, just, you pick a scripture, you just walk through it, and you talk to God about what He's talking to you about. Are you praying? So you say, well, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm really able to resist the devil. I'm gonna tell you, you're not if you're not reading the Word and you're not praying. But if you're reading the Word and praying, then you're, you're positioning yourself, you're, you're building a platform that's solid for you to stand upon and, and to be able to resist the devil. What else? Well, you know, music is a biggie in our lives. Many of our lives, music is. And what comes in, comes out. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. That which comes in, will, will, when continually comes in, is what will come out of our lives. So what are you letting in? What are you letting through the, the doorway of praise? Is it, is it God's music? Is it music that exalts God and gives glory to God? Have you, have you found a, a Christian radio station? I mean, we've got almost no excuse now. We've got all kinds of media that we can tap into that we can hear just an, an unending source of the songs that we want to hear. I said this morning, you know, you've got about 165 hours, 164 hours a week that you can listen to whatever you want to listen to. You say, I've got to sleep somewhere and work somewhere. I understand that, but you've got a large portion of time in your life that you can dictate that which comes in. 
And we need to be careful what we allow in to our life. So we, we, we position ourselves. Um, there, there, there's so many other How do, Who do you hang out with? Are you hanging out with people that are, that are uplifting and that are Christians and that are, will hold you accountable? Or, or do you have anybody in your life that you've said, hey, listen, this is a major area that Satan keeps hitting me in. Can you help me? Can you hold me accountable? Can, can you walk with me through this? Because I'm sick of being beat up over it. And I believe if somebody would face-to-face talk to me about that, I could gain some strength. I had a guy tell me that a couple weeks ago. I, I, I cornered him on something. He said, you know, I, I appreciate you cornering me on that. I, I want you to do me a favor. He said, I want, you to, I want you to check up on me. I've checked up on him regular. I called him yesterday. I said, uh, hey, brother, how you doing in this area? My daughter was sitting in the truck. She can testify to it. I said, how you doing? I didn't ask you this week when I was around you, so I want to know now. How you doing in that area? He said, I'm doing good in that area. Thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Uh, but hold people accountable. We, we need to hold each other accountable in areas of our lives. And if we've got somebody to hold us accountable, if we bring somebody in, you know, we, we're scared to death to tell somebody that we've got a failure. But it's a greater failure not to tell somebody. So they can help walk, walk, walk through it with you. You know, we have to get to a place where we position ourselves in armor. We build up some boundaries. And we resist the devil. And I'm telling you, when we have victory in some areas of our lives, it, it's, an, it's exciting. It's, uh, it's captivating. It fuels us. Because when I win one area, I want to win them all. And when I beat him down in one area, I'm ready for the next one. You know what I mean? It's like, come on. But we find strength and refuge when we're under his wing. That's, that's where we find the strength and the refuge that we, we need in our life. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he flee from you. And, and the text then says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Second Chronicles 15.2 says this. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear me, Asa, and all of Judah and Benjamin. And the Lord is with you while you are with him. Did you hear that? The Lord is with you while you are with him. Wonderful statement there. And then he says, If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. I I found out. That's a good one. See, I love finding those if you seek him. Me, you will find me statements in the Bible. I just add that one to to uh, uh, to Second Chronicles twenty eight nine, and I add that one to to um, Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen because I recognize and I want people to realize that they're like, well, I just don't see God. Have you been seeking God? Because if you're seeking God, if you in a heart surrendered, submitting therefore to God, you surrender yourself to God, and you go after Him, you seek Him, you will find Him. You say, I just don't have any experiences like you have, Pastor. Are you seeking Him? Because when you seek Him, you'll find Him. But, but when you're not seeking Him, what did it say? It says, but if you forsake Him, He will forsake you. So if, if, you, if you're not looking for Him and you're looking away from Him, and from him, you're not going after Him, you're not even desiring Him, guess what? You're not going to find Him. You're not, you're not going to find Him. But for, you're forsaking Him. You're forsaking him from having the opportunity to be Lord of your life and position in the authority that he was, that he is supposed to have in your life and you serving in the position he's called you to in your life. 
So, so we see that we find strength under His wing, and, and when we draw near to Him, He, he draws near to, to us. So I want you to look at that order, though. Don't, don't miss the order that James so precisely put that in. Submit to God. So we submit, therefore. Then we resist the devil, and he flees from us. Then there's this position where we draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Draw near to Him, and He draws near to you. Notice the order there. Are you drawing near? Are you going hard after God? God provided us a path to Himself. It's through Jesus. He is our path. Draw near to God. I tell you, there, there's a lot of things in the Bible that excite me. There really are. I, I can find a bunch of texts. I, I can talk about a bunch of things tonight that just really fire me up about uh, what I'm reading in the Bible. I, I get excited. And, and I put it to work in my own life, and it works. Okay? I, I practically see this working out in my life. I'm not doing mental gymnastics to see this happen. This, is, this works in our lives. It works not only in my life. It works in many other people's lives. I've, I've witnessed it firsthand. But this, this text excites me. Have, have you ever been beat up by the devil? I mean, have you ever just, sin ever just beat you up? I've been beat up by sin. I, I've been beat up by some choices I've made. I, I, I've let myself go in certain areas, and, and boy, I've just reaped the consequences. I've been beat up. I, yeah, I've struggled. I, I've, I've labored over it. I, I, I've suffered over it. And, and it's no good. Uh, it's no good at all. And, and to know that I have this at my hands... To know that all I have to do is submit, therefore, to God. I have to just, I have to position myself, I have to arrange myself under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Submitting, therefore, arranging, coming underneath His Lordship, setting under the wing of Jesus. I can resist the devil and he will flee from me. I can draw near to God and he will draw near to me. Uh, that is exciting to me. That, that is an exciting text. I am, I am now no longer alone in this battle against Satan. It's not the, me against the world any longer. It's, it's me and Jesus against Satan. And, and guess who wins? We do. We got victory. It's victory in Jesus. That's where the victory comes from. Me alone fighting Satan. Guess what? I'm going to be a greasy spot on the pavement. Me and Jesus fighting Satan, boy, we got this. Come on. I mean, you know what I mean? We got this. We will not be overcome. When I submit, therefore, I come under his wing. I've got the protective hand of God in my life, and I'm surrendered to him. I'm, I'm resisting the devil. I'm capable of resisting the temptation. No matter what he throws at me, I know God has given me a way out. I'm not going to be in a situation where I say there was no other choice but to sin. Oh, there's always a way out. And God's given me that. And guess what? As I, as I choose the way out and the way to Him, submitting, I draw near to Him, and He draws near to me, and I experience the peace of God in my life, the presence of God in my life, the power of God in my life. And you get the same thing. That, that is what we get when we, when we understand this text and, and, and when we apply it in our life. James goes on, though, and he says in, in verse, uh, verse 8 there, he says, And draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. And then he, he makes a statement. 
He says, cleanse your hands, you sinners. Boy, that was offensive, wasn't it? That was a, in our culture today, that, that was offensive. You sinners, clean your hands. They're like, don't you talk to me like that. My mama doesn't talk to me like that. But in reality, what we recognize is we are sinners. And, and we're called to cleanse our hands. We're called to have clean hands and a pure heart before God. So, so he says here, he says, cleanse your hands, your sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, I don't want to be double-minded. What would be double-minded? It would be to have a, a, a good bit of the world and a good bit of God and, and them opposing one another or, or, or at, at, at odds with one another within me, me seeking the world and me seeking God at the same time. You can't do that. We've already discussed that. To be friends with the world is to be an enemy to God, James says. So we have to make a choice in our life. Do I want to be worldly or do I want to be godly? And if I want to be godly, if I want the eternal aspect and benefit of being godly, that is a decision I have to make. If I want what the world has to offer, you better get all of it you can get right now. Because, ladies and gentlemen, that one's going to end. Wood, hay, and stubble, it won't pass. I don't care how much money, how much land, how much pride, how much, how many possessions, I don't care. All that's going to be gone. But now when we invest in the eternal realm, and we submit, therefore, to God, and we surrender our lives to Him, we flee from the devil, and the devil flees from us, then all of a sudden we, we recognize the value of having clean hands. And you can have clean hands, and, and you can have a pure heart, not if you're not double-minded. If you're double-minded, you're going to be delving into both worlds, and, and you'll never experience what clean hands and a pure heart is all about. So James is calling us to say, look at your life. Look at what's going on in your life. Look at, look at the areas that your hands aren't clean. What, what, have you, what are you touching? What are you grasping? What are you going after in life that isn't God's will for your life? And you need to cleanse your hands from that. What is it in your heart? Because I'm telling you, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that which is in us is going to come out of us. So we need to check our hearts. What's your heart longing for? What love is prevailing in your life? Purify your hearts. Cleanse your hands. Then he says, lament, mourn, and weep. He, he, this It's like kind of two worlds here colliding. Uh, draw near to God. Let's get excited. Let's draw near to God. We're going to resist the devil. We're going to win. This is going to be good. Now I'm supposed to cry about it. Y'all all right? And, and that's what it says, though. It says, be miserable. Who wants to be miserable? Mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. So does God want us to be sad the rest of our life? Is that what this is all about? No. But submission brings recognition of our shortcomings. When I, when I submit, therefore, to God, it's the Isaiah passage I read this morning, chapter 6, verse 1 through 5. Woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people who are who have unclean lips. He recognized in the holiness of God, with the seraphim crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He, he recognized the holiness of God and the sinfulness of himself. And, and I'm telling you, when we position ourselves in the, in the presence of the Creator, I'm, I'm keenly aware of my shortcomings. And what does that cause me to do? It moves me. 
It, it, it moves me to, to, to mourn. To, I, I mean, I, I see what my sin costs my Savior. It, it cost Him His life. And I can't get, I can't laugh about that. I can't, I can't get excited about that. I can't, I can get excited from the standpoint of what I gained, but I can't get excited about, yay, Jesus got killed. I mean, when we sing songs, when we talk about the cross and, and we sing about what Jesus did for us, there are times in songs that I get emotional. It's not, it's nothing else other than I just recognize that my personal sin was redeemed at a very high price, my Savior on the cross. And, and it causes me to weep and mourn. And then, then I see that sin rise in my life again. I'm like, how silly was that? How, how stupid was that? To allow yourself to be overtaken by the one that you can overtake. And you can resist the devil. Instead of letting him come over you, I can put him on the run. I mean, I'm either going to run with the devil or I'm going to put the devil on the run. That's the only two options I've got in my life. And I could have put him on the run, but in times I recognize I failed. That causes me to mourn and weep and humble myself before God and say, I need you. Again, God, I need your grace. Again, God, I'm found in want and need of your loving mercy and your overwhelming grace. Thank you, Jesus. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Luke chapter 18, I'm going to close with this, says this. He also told this parable to some people who trusted themselves and they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood and was praying to himself, God, I want to back up. The Pharisee stood and was praying to himself. Don't, don't miss that. He was praying to himself. Did you get that? He wasn't praying to God. He was praying to himself. But he's standing in the courts before God. He's praying to himself. He says these words. God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all I get. What a dude. What a dude. Look at me, God. I'm a good old boy. I got all this figured out. I really don't need you. I'm a good guy. Me and my righteousness, we're good. But the tax collector standing some distance away was even unwilling to lift up his eyes to heaven, but was beating his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus says this, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Why is submission so difficult? That's where we started. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you, the text tells us. Why is submission so hard? Why is submission to authority so hard? Self-reliance and independence are strong cultural norms among us today. 
Humility is a trait that's discouraged and even ridiculed in our culture today. But I'd rather be Christian than cultural. Amen. So what do we do, folks? First of all, you take great, great pleasure that we have victory in Jesus. That in the next moment when Satan tempts you, you can put him on the run. You can put him on the run, church. You can either run with the devil or you can put the devil on the run. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, Scripture tells us, and he will exalt you. We can win. Satan does not win this one when we stand with Jesus. Father, we love you and thank you for your love. Thank you, Father, for this, this text. It gives me great encouragement. Lord, I pray in my own life, God, that when Satan comes to tempt, I will resist the devil, arrange myself under your lordship, surrendering completely to you and resisting the devil. And I pray that for my brothers and sisters, that they will also as well submit to you, resist the devil, and watch him run. God, give us victories this week. Let us know that that victory comes from positioning ourselves with you in the Word and in prayer and in all aspects of our life, the lifestyle we live being put before you. God, give us victory. Watch over us as we go throughout this week. Use us for your glory. We pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, next uh, Sunday night we had, dis- we, were- we had discussed going to uh, Washington Avenue. That was kind of on the agenda. We hadn't said much about it because that plan got changed. We will be here next, next Sunday night. But because the church calendar said that next, thir- next Sunday night we would be at Washington Avenue, we've made a plan to decorate the entire sanctuary during that time. So we're going to meet in the fellowship hall next Sunday evening. So I'll announce that next Sunday morning. But you get it twice, maybe you'll get it right. <laughs> maybe I'll get it right. Somebody's going to remind me twice. We're going to meet in the, in the social hall, fellowship hall, next Sunday night for services. But uh, see you Wednesday for the Thanksgiving celebration. And look forward to worshiping with you again next Sunday. God bless you. Have an awesome night.